0: Like Ryan said, my name is Leon Stutzman and my wife and I are youth pastors here. I'm not used to speaking to a crowd this age, so I have a few instructions for you. First, pull out your phones, start scrolling Facebook, not Facebook, that's too old. Start scrolling TikTok, Instagram, playing Candy Crush, something like that. That's first instruction number one, that will help me relax. Instruction number two, never laugh at my jokes. The kids (laughs) never do. It's not because I'm not funny, it's just because they don't get it, I guess. I don't know. Um, We interact a lot with the younger generation, and I believe that God places Generations in a time and in a place for a purpose. And so he has, he has placed the generations in place to do what he needs done at that time. And I think the same thing is true for the younger generation. God is equipping them to do something that my generation is not capable of. Um, but they are. I'm talking about mental health today, and you're like, why are you talking about that? Because it's a problem, that's why. And it's not just in the younger generation, it's in my generation, it's in your generation, and it is only increasing. And a number of years ago, I went through a really dark spot. Um, and thinking back to that, I, I remember talking with my sister, and she said, like, like, what are you feeling? What's going on? And it's like this. The only words I could use to describe it was, it feels like the air before a thunderstorm, where it is just so heavy, and it's so dark, and it takes a constant effort just to put one foot in front of the other, and every time you take a breath of air, there's just not enough oxygen there. If if you are going through that, or have went through that, you know what I'm talking about. Around the same time, I remember my wife asking me, one time she just made a statement, she said, you never laugh. And I said, yeah, I don't think I'm ever going to again in my life, I think laughter is something that was in the past and it's not in the future. And that's the way I felt. And so, in order to like get out of that, I had to start processing things and I had to start looking what, what is happening, what is going on and as a youth leader looking and saying how am I going to help somebody else navigate this because there are other people that are gonna feel the same way that I'm feeling. And so that has really kind of put me um, on a trajectory to learn more about it Learn more about mental illnesses um, and and learn more about ways to combat it, ways to overcome it. If you think I'm going to give you a comprehensive talk on mental health, um, you're you're going to be very badly mistaken because I do not have the education. I don't have the letters behind my name to tell you everything there is. Mental health, is such an extremely complex subject. Um, and it is a very complex problem. But what I do want to do for you today, I have two objectives. Number one, I want to give you hope, because there is hope. And number two, I would like to give you one tool in order to overcome and, and, and become more healed emotionally. Um, I'm not going to give you the whole toolbox, and I want you to understand that, because with mental health, the complexity of it, it is so intertwined with physical health that you don't know really where one starts and where the other one stops. Is there something physically that's going on that's causing you, your your mental illness or is there a mental illness that's causing your physical illness or what is it? And, and there is such a, it, it is so intertwined, it takes a lot of work to unpack all of that. But what I want you to hear, I don't want you to hear that what I say this morning, this is the only way to do it. I'm saying this is one step in the part of the process but what I see happening is I see people address it one way or another. So you're either going to address it as a physical problem and not as a spiritual or emotional problem or you're going to address it as just a spiritual problem and not a physical problem. And a lot of times the, the people that I see that, that are really overcoming it are, are people that are are hitting it from multiple directions, not just one direction. Um, But having said that, this morning is going to be just one direction, um, and I want you to understand that. So, mental health is really about being whole. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 to 24, my clicker is not working or it went two spaces. Uh, can someone get 1 Thessalonians five twenty three and 24 up there for me? He says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, he who calls you, is faithful and he will surely do it so what what he's talking about there is being complete and being whole to where like everything is working together and so like to explain this a little bit better sometimes you can know something in your head but you don't really know it in your heart Does that make sense? You you follow me with that? You can know something up here, but you don't really know it here. And so, mental health is really about your foundation. It's really about the core, and it's really about who you who you are at the core and what you believe at your core. And so, my question is, what does your foundation look like? Um, What what, if, if I would say, what, what does your core look like, what would you say? I use the word heart and not in, um, you can know something in your head but not your heart and you're saying, I thought we were talking about mental health here. My clicker's not working. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Um, take me to the first slide on the definition of the heart. So, in the, I think it's in Luke where Jesus says, "You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength." And when I look up the Greek definition of the of heart, this is the definition. It it is the seat and center of circulation, and therefore of human life. It is the seat of desires, feelings, affections, passions, and impulses. It's your core, it's who you are. So then I went to the American Psychiatric Association's website and pulled up the definition of mental health. The definition of mental health is Mental health is the foundation for emotions, thinking, communication, learning, resilience, hope, and self-esteem. We're really talking about the heart, aren't we? So when you look in the Bible, and you, and you do a word search for mental health, you're not gonna find anything. But you will find the heart, and I think I can make a pretty solid case that it's talking about the same thing. Um, so when you talk about your heart, we, we don't talk like that very, very often. But, and to prove it, I'll ask you a question. If I would walk up to you right now, and I am talking to you right now, and I say, how's your heart, how would you respond? You're probably either not going to respond or you're going to make a joke to get yourself out of an awkward situation, right? Because that is just way too personal. Another question that just gets right down to the bottom, if I could ask you, and I am asking you, if you could draw a picture of your heart right now, what would it look like? You see, that's really talking about the foundation, it's really talking about your core, and it's really talking about who you are at the center, and, and that is controlling your mental health. That is controlling your core. Um, I said a little bit ago how you can know something in your head, but you, but you don't necessarily know it in your heart. I'm going to give you an example of that. In 2019, so, Just so you know, I'm a farmer, and in 2019, it just rained and rained and rained in the spring, and we couldn't plant. And the longer it rained, the more depressed I got. And I remember one night, I was at an event, and I was sitting across from Floyd Floyd and Elaine, and I was being Eeyore that night. And I was really blue, and Elaine asked me a question. And she said, Leon, she said, has God ever let you down? You know what my response was? Nope, but I'm pretty sure this is the first time. <laughs> I meant it. I meant it. That's, that's just being really honest, right? So, so in order to really talk about mental health, I need to talk about the heart. And I know that makes every guy in this room uncomfortable because we don't want to deal with that. But you'll be okay, like you're not gonna die or anything like that, so. But in order to talk about the spiritual heart, I wanna draw a little correlation with the physical heart. And I have a question, do heart attacks happen quickly or slowly? Both? Yes? They happen really quick, but they happen, they, it builds up over time, doesn't it? A mental health crisis, does it happen quickly or slowly? It's both, right? It's, it's like you can have a trigger and it will set you off on, on whatever it is, and it's instantly, and, but, but it's something that builds up over time. Um, so if I'm another thing uh, when talking about the heart what is one? if if I say the word heart to you and you what what is a, a phrase that pops into your mind one and maybe I'm not as spiritual as all of you but one of the first phrases that pops into my mind is follow your heart. Has anybody ever heard that phrase? I think culture is doing a good job of feeding us that line, and I think it's a false line. Um, I, I think it's bad advice. Back in 2019, when I talked with Elaine, or when Elaine, talked with me, I don't know how ever that worked. If I would have followed my heart, it would have put me in a very bad spot, right? I was at my, I have a story about that. I, I was at my brother's graduation. He, he graduated from University of Iowa with a mechanical engineering degree. And at his graduation, the valedictorian was giving her speech and I think she was graduating with a civil engineering degree. Obviously she was brilliant, she was a valedictorian. And she was giving her whole speech and and she was talking about how she designed bridges in Nicaragua and and she designed all of these things and it was cool. And then at the end of her speech, she just like let me down hard. Because at the end of her speech, she said, and now, now you're all asking me what I'm going to do after I graduate from school. And she said, I have enrolled in culinary school for next fall because I have been told to follow my heart. And I just wanted to stand up and say, I don't know who told you that, <laughs> but I wish you were the one designing the bridges over I- I-80, I-380 interchange, right? <laughs> And, and, and I'm just sitting here, it's like, like, come on, somebody gave you some terrible advice. <laughs> and I understand there were probably a lot of other things that went into that decision, but that wasn't what she said at face value. Um, Proverbs says, my clicker started working. <laughs> it says, hear my son and be wise and direct your heart in the way. It doesn't say follow it. It says direct it. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. That's different. That's different than following it. The word keep means to watch over, to cultivate, and to protect. And so, so I use the word monitor as, as watching over. How many of you monitor your heart? Some of you do. My son runs. Um, I know he's watching right now, so I'll give a shout out to him. Um, he runs, and he has this watch, and he's like, I want my heart heart rate to be this number for the next 40 miles actually it's like 10 but either way it's ridiculous amount of time and but but he's constantly monitoring his heart and if you go to a doctor they're going to be taking your blood pressure or whatever and so your physical heart you're monitoring all all the time are you monitoring your spiritual heart like Are you paying attention to what what is your heart doing? Um, And how do you even monitor your spiritual heart? In Matthew 15, 18, he says, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart and defiles a person. The way you monitor your heart is, like that night when I was talking with Elaine, what came out of my mouth showed me what I really believed. It showed me what, I, what was inside. It was uncomfortable, but it showed me what was there. And you have to pay attention to that. Have any of you ever said something and then you're like, I don't know where that came from? Or you did something and you're, you say, I don't know where that came from. Why did I do that? Why did I say that? It came from your heart and you need to pay attention to it. Um, how many of you have that friend that every time you're with them, the conversation just turns bad? It just always does. Or you have that friend that every conversation just turns good. Every conversation is encouraging. The difference in the two is the heart. And what's coming from your mouth is showing what's, what's inside. And that's kind of scary. Um, this week... So I'm obviously thinking about this, but this week, my wife told me she was praying about something, about a situation. She's laughing right now. She told me she was praying about this situation, and I said, that'll never happen. She's like, I'm talking to God about it. And do you know what I said? I'm like, that won't do any good. (laughs) I'm like, whoops. (laughs) She was like, that's not very pastoral of you. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not, but it, it's like it, it's, something down there is wrong. I'm just telling you. Matthew 12:33 to 35 says, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks... The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. How you speak and what you value shows you where your heart's at. That's not very much fun but, but you have to pay attention to it. You have to monitor it because what's in the heart really does matter. And so my goal for that is the next time you say, I wonder where that came from. I want this little bell to be ringing in your head that says it came from your heart and you need to check it out and you need to see what's wrong. Um, see, we're in a spiritual battle for the heart. We're in a spiritual battle for our mental health. You all know that. It's real. It is daily from the time you wake up in the morning and open your phone till the time you shut your phone off at night. The battle is there and it is very, very real. Second Corinthians ten three to six says, for though we walk in the flesh We are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. So the battle for your heart is real, and it's spiritual. And the devil has one main weapon, and it's called lies. And he uses them very, very effectively. And those lies will become embedded deep down in the core of who you are, deep down in your heart. They will become embedded at a young age, or they will become embedded at a moment of trauma. And it affects what you believe affects your mental health. It affects your heart. It it affects the condition of your heart. And how you move from that point is determined by what's in there and, and what cracks are in there. So everyone I don't think there's a person in this room that has not had some level of trauma, has had not had something bad happen to them, and I don't think there's a person in this room that has not believed a lie of some sort because that's just who we are as humans. Um, that is part of the curse and and those lies get in there and they get down deep and what that does is it kind of creates this I'm going to going to call it kind of a default setting so that when a crisis comes you're going to default to this certain setting for me that setting is abandonment which leads to anxiety um and and you're going to say abandonment like What's going on here? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to explain it a little bit. So I, part of my journey has led me through some counselor's offices, and, and one of my counselors was talking to me, and he's like, so, so why isn't abandonment a thing? He said, I thought you grew up in like a two-parent household, and you have eight siblings, and it's like like, where's the abandonment coming from? And he's like, and so he started talking to me and he said, can you explain to me what was happening in your parents' house um, the nine months leading up to your birth? And I said, yeah, actually I can because I've heard a lot about it. My parents were living on a farm and they went bankrupt that year. They lost their farm. He said, well, he said high stress in a mother can sever that connection before you're born. And so, my brain tells me my mom wasn't there. That's what my brain tells me. It's not the truth, my mom was there. And I can't, and my mom didn't choose the situation. And I can't imagine the amount of stress that my parents were under. But nevertheless, this, this is the way it is. Um, he said, now explain to me, he's like, where was your dad when you were about two or three years old? Because at the age of about two or three, a child develops a bond with their father. And I said, well, that's pretty easy to answer too because because my parents lost the farm. My dad was pouring concrete. He was working on a concreting crew. They got a big job in Garden City, Kansas, and he moved out there. The family was in southern Iowa. He was in Kansas pouring concrete. Once again, It's nobody's fault, it's just the way it was, but my dad was gone. And my dad was doing everything in his power to provide for his family, and I can't imagine the toll it was taking on him, but it's just the way it was. And so my brain is telling me, deep down inside, my brain is telling me that when the going gets tough, everybody's gonna leave. And my brain's telling me that when the going gets tough, God isn't going to show up as well either, right? He hasn't abandoned me yet, but he's going to. And that's what, it's like this, it's like this crack in the foundation. Um, fast forward to 2020. My wife wants me to tell this story. Fast forward to 2020. Um we had a little building on our property. It was kind of in the, I don't know if it used to be a garage or what it used to be, but it was close to the house. And it was an eyesore, but the kids used it kind of as a playground. They had a wood stove in there and everything. And I mean, it was their, it was their little house. And we always talked about once the kids get old enough and quit playing in it, we're gonna tear it down. Well, 2020 was the year. My oldest son was graduating, and we were going to have a grad party at our house, and that makes perfect sense to tear down the eyesore and clean it up. And so I said, yep, I'll, I'll do that. I'll get it done this spring. It will happen before the grad party. And she's like, well, okay, what do you need from me? And I said, well, most of it I can get with my skid loader and grapple, but at the end, there's going to be nails everywhere and little sticks and everything that need to be picked up. So if I could just have everybody help me pick all that up, it'd be great. So I put a date on the calendar. The date came. It was in the morning. And lo and behold, I have four children. Lo and behold, none of them were available. (laughs) Don't know how that happens, but they had important things to do, I'm sure. And none of them were available. And Wanda says, it's okay. She's like, I'll help you. She's like, it'll be fine. And she's like, when do you need my help? And I said, well, if I get started about eight o'clock, I said, if you could be out by 10.30, I said, that would be great. And we'll clean it up and it'll, it'll be great. So I went out and started doing my thing about 10 till 10. I saw the van drive out the lane, there went Wanda. <laughs> you know the rest of the story, don't you? And I was like, ah, oh, she's running to her mom's, she grabbed something, she's running to Stringtown to get something, like, she'll be back. I told her 10.30, and that's 40 minutes from now. Comes 10.30, there's no Wanda. I texted her, I was like, when you, will you be home? And she said, I'll be home by lunch. <laughs> yeah. I got upset. I got upset. And I started giving her a speech. She couldn't hear it. Thankfully, she wasn't there. (laughs) I started giving her a speech, and I was letting her know exactly what I thought about the situation. And right in the middle of it, I said, you just abandoned me. And I was like, what's this actually about? What what what's actually going on here? Because is this about her leaving? No, not really. And and, and I started processing this and I'm like, would she intentionally abandon me? I was like, no. I don't know why she left. I mean I do now. But I took about the next I I had an hour and a half before she came home from lunch before she came home for lunch and and I processed through everything and she walked in and I said where'd you go and this look just comes over her face and she's like oh my goodness she's like I promised you that I would help you I said yeah you did and you left and I said I'm going to be honest that hurt but I'm okay now Right? That's kind of monitoring, but that also moves into how are you protecting? How are you protecting your heart? And Philippians says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. You know, the way you protect your heart is you, is you pray and you ask God to show you what are the lies that you're believing and what, are the, and what is the truth. Remember, the devil's going to fight with the lies. He's not going to use the truth. He can't. But in John, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And I am convinced that a lot of our problems would be eliminated if we always believed the truth about who God is and about who we are. The problem is we don't. And it is a daily daily battle it 's a daily battle for me it 's a daily battle for you. Um, we have to we have to know the truth because the truth will set us free. I have another story and and this is and, and this also just shows me shows you a little bit about what I thought about God as a young boy. I loved animals, I still love animals. Um, But I wanted a dog, and my life's dream was to own a dog, and not just any dog, but it had to be a German shorthair because I wanted to go pheasant hunting, and I wanted the dog to point the birds and everything, and that was the only thing I wanted. And lo and behold, at the age of 16, I got my dog. And I was like, wow, this is cool. Like, I finally got what I wanted. And I had that dog, and I started to train her. I was training her to fetch. I was training her to stay close to me when I walk, um, stay a little distance ahead of me, but not too far ahead of me. I was training her to point birds. I I was catching pigeons and putting them in, out in the grass, and like I was training this dog, and my whole world was wrapped up in this dog. I was 16, and one night I went to youth group, and my brothers asked me if they could play with my dog, and I said, yeah, that's fine. Just make sure you put her back where she belongs when you're done. Because we lived on Highway 1, there's that big curve, about halfway between Colonna and Iowa City, And there's a lot of traffic. I said, make sure you put the dog back. Once again, you probably know the end of the story. My brothers not only didn't put her back, they took her on a bike ride alongside Highway 1 with no leash on, and she got hit and got killed. I walked in the house at 11 o'clock that night, and my mom was sitting there. She said, Your dog's gone. I turned around and I walked out the door. And I went on a long long walk that night. My mom told me later, she said, I didn't go to bed till you came back home, which was around 2.30, I think. But that, that, I didn't get over that dog for a long time. I'm talking 20 years, long time. Because in my head, I said, if God let me have the dog, and it was my life's dream, and I had it, and then he took it away, that means he obviously doesn't care about me, right? That was, that was the way I translated it. God's gone, he doesn't care. Is that the truth? You're shaking your heads. You caught on faster than I did. But what happens is when you go through something like that, that lie gets stuck. That lie gets stuck. And I know a lot of you are probably dealing with some of the same questions. Why'd that person leave? Why'd God leave? Why did I lose this? Why did this person die? God must not love me. Here's the real truth. God never never promised that life would be easy. He actually promised the opposite. Jesus said, if they killed the master, what do you think they're going to do to the servant? Right? He didn't promise an easy life, but he did say, I will be with you. And the truth is, in Matthew 11:28 28 to 30, when my dog died, this is what God wanted. He wanted me to come to him. That's what he wanted. He wanted me to take my hurt to him so he could heal it. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Say how do we protect our heart? How do you heal your heart? Sometimes you have to pray and by mean pray I don't by pray I don't mean sitting down and talking to God. Sometimes you have to let God talk to you. Sometimes you have to sit there and you have to just ask the question, God, can you show me what's true and what's not? God will show you if you, if you look. Sometimes it's just sitting there quietly with your Bible and saying, show me, the, show me the truth. Show me where it's at. Help me find it. You know, Adam and Eve, God placed them in the garden. And it says in the evening, in the cool of the day, God would come down and walk and talk with man. And I think it's God's heart that he does the same thing today. It, we can have that type of relationship with him where we sit down and we converse with God. And he shows us. He has written through the Bible. He, is, he has written truths for us. He has showed us his heart. So, you, so in order to heal your heart, you have to find the lie, number one, and you have to replace it with the truth. And, and you have to move it from your head to your heart so that you are settled in what you believe. So when the next time something happens, you don't say, oh, she left me again, or oh, God doesn't love me again. Like, it, it, it has to be deep down. But that only comes from knowing the truth. I think there are, well, I've identified, I'm sure there's a lot more, but I think there's like three core lies that the devil uses. He uses them very consistently and very effectively. And they are, number one, you are alone. Tagged along with that is you're always gonna be alone. Number two, you are not loved, tag along that, with that you are unlovable, you'll never be loved. Or number three, there is no hope. Um, so I wanna do something this morning. Amber, do you wanna come up on the keys? I wanna take a little time and I want you to ask these questions. And I want you to think, starting with number one, starting with feeling alone, and I understand not, not everyone's gonna feel every one of these, but I think everyone's gonna feel one of these three. And so I want you to think to a time when you just said where we're feeling, I'm alone. I'm all alone, I always will be. I used to not be alone, but now I am, again. And this is just the way it always goes. Maybe you're saying, nobody wants to be with me, and so... God you must not want to be with me either What is the truth? And I want you to hear this. If this is you, I want you to hear this because these are the words of Jesus. And this is what he wants to say to you if you are the one that's feeling alone. Jesus said, let the little children come to me Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. In Isaiah. He says, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you I will uphold you with my righteous right hand he has promised he will never leave you you can believe it or not believe it that choice is yours but I know we're not believing it led me and it's dark it's dark You might say, nobody loves me. Maybe your boyfriend or girlfriend has said, I just can't love you anymore. Maybe a spouse has said, I can't love you anymore. Maybe a parent has said, I can't love you anymore. Maybe a church has said, I can't love you anymore. Maybe a community has said, I can't love you anymore. And with that, you're just like, must be unlovable then, right? Here's the truth. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children... So the Lord shows compassion to those who fear them. That's what he says. Let's take it a step further. Let's say there was a hostage situation right now and and a gunman walked into the back and he said, I'm taking everyone hostage, but but the man on the stage can go free. If I would say, wait a minute, You take me hostage, everybody else goes free. What would you say? Would that show my love to you? Right? You know, that happened. That happened. God came down to earth in the form of a man. And he's like, you know what? Give freedom to the people, just take me. the Father, in my name he may give it you. Romans 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or sword, or, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. For in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the truth. You are loved. Not only that, he paid the ultimate sacrifice to show you love. There is nothing more he can do. You know, my dog can die. That doesn't change it. He already did that long ago. He paid the ultimate sacrifice to communicate his love to you. That's the truth. You might be here this morning and you just say, I, There's just no hope. There's a quote says man can live about 40 days without food you can live about 3 days without water you can live about 8 minutes without air but you can only live for 1 second without hope are you feeling hopeless Are you in a situation you're just like, I I don't think this is ever going to change. I don't think I'm ever going to get better. I don't think I'm ever going to, in my case, I don't think I'm ever going to laugh again. Where are you at? Are you giving up? See, the truth is, So it's found in Hebrews, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together, Romans 8, where are you putting your hope where are you putting your faith you might be here and you're, you might say well that's all a myth that's all just based on something that was written 2,000 years ago in a book and I, I, I want to push back on that a little bit it's not a myth it's, it's a man that came to this earth. And we have a hundred ta- times more evidence, written evidence that he lived and walked on this earth. We have evidence of a tomb that is empty. After he died, he rose again. We have written evidence that says, that says, this happened his followers went to horrible deaths and they would not recant it they said this man was God we have the evidence it's written down and you might say well how good is that that was 600 years roughly um, roughly 600 years before this Aristotle Plato and Socrates lived There's not a person in this room that doubts their existence. Why? Because we have their writings, right? There's a hundred times more evidence that Jesus walked on this earth, that he lived and that he died and that he rose again, than there is for the fact that Aristotle, Plato, and Socrates lived. Why don't we believe it? Why do we doubt? We doubt because the lies have got in. We doubt because the lies are in deep and they need to be exposed. And that is tied to our very core. Like I said, this is not the end all for mental health, but it is a great starting place. And it is one piece of the puzzle and it needs to be dealt with. The way I want to close this morning, I'd like, I've asked some people to be a prayer team for me. So I want them to come up and just stand up here on the stage. Worship team can come up as well. I'm just gonna have the prayer team stand up here facing the stage. If you're at a place today where you're losing hope, if you're at a place today where you're saying, I'm just not sure I can believe if you're at a place today where you're saying I just can't seem to find the truth I'm going to ask you during these last two songs Amber's going to play two songs to just come up here and one of these people will pray with you I truly believe that God wants to meet you I truly believe that God wants to sit with you I truly believe that God wants to heal you. And so whatever's going on, I want you to know there is hope. It is worth it. It is worth keeping on. And this life is worth living. And Jesus can help heal that pain. So I'm going to let Amber go ahead, sing the last two songs. Um, Don't be shy. There's plenty of people up here that would love to pray with you.